just keep worshiping him right now. quick thanks bishop and staff thanks family thanks to my roommates aka my parents um thank you friends and the bible says uh you gotta speak things that are not as though they already were so i'd like to thank my wife too We could go to the book of Exodus, chapter 3. Exodus, chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say I'm slow. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. It's funny how it says Moses was leading his flock um, to the backside of the desert, but I think Moses was the sheep being led. You know, never underestimate the possibility of God ordering your footsteps, no matter how much you think you're doing it on your own. And he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb, and uh, that means desert. Um, That's what Horeb means. The phrase mountain of God um, is interesting to me because a lot of times we think of mountains as something we got to exercise faith to cast into the sea. Um, Y'all could sit down, sorry. Sit down. Don't make me more nervous than I already am. (laughs) But when we think of mountains, um, we think of things that we got to exercise our faith to cast into the sea. But what if God establishes the mountain? Those mountains can't be cast out anywhere. There's only one way to Look at the mountain. There's only one way to approach it, and that's to climb it. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Or in other words, don't come any closer. A lot of times, especially myself, um, I always think that God is sort of the type where he can just get as close to him as possible. God's just going to let people come to him for free. But God is capable of saying, don't come any closer. 
because he asks you to not come any closer because he's waiting on to see how committed you are and how obedient you are. There is a line that he draws in the sand. God is prudent that way. I, I, I think the main thing my generation tends to struggle with, and, and I mean this in the spiritual sense, I think my generation struggles with fornication more than anything else. Fornication meaning I want intimacy without the commitment. And I hate to I hate to rain on your parade, but that's not how God works. All right, continuing on. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. So why is taking shoes off so significant in this scripture? Well, on one hand, in Hebrew culture, and it's a lot of people adopt this today, if a guest shows up to somebody's house, they're expected to take their shoes off, you know, in the mudroom or out of respect for the tenants of that house, out of respect for the owners of that house. So basically, the Hebrews were like, don't bring the junk that you pick up walking there into the house. And what we know in the scriptures that Moses was standing on holy ground. He was standing in God's house. That's wherever the holy ground is. Anything that is holy, that's where God is abiding at that particular moment. So there has to be a change in order to take that extra step closer. Something has to be taken off. That's just the nature of the beast. God is living in a different realm than we do. He lives in the supernatural. We live in the natural. In order for God to be with us, he had to put on flesh. How do you think we have to be with God? We have to take off the flesh. And by the way, none of this is free. I need $10 for every good thing I say. The student loans can pay themselves. So, But what I've found out is that there's slightly a little bit more to taking the shoes off. The Bible gives different names to this particular mountain. In the scripture, it called it the mountain of God. It called it Horeb. And then you start seeing in Exodus chapter 16, it starts calling it Mount Sinai. Right? So I decided I was going to be, one day I decided I was going to kind of look up what these words mean. The Hebrews kind of have a knack of naming things for a certain reason. Now, according to Strong's, Sinai 
um, means thorny. It actually comes from, Sinai is derived from the word um, sin, not the sin that God forgives, but sin as in the place that's next to the mountain. And that sin means thorn, and so Sinai means thorny. And if somebody named that mountain thorny, chances are there's probably not a bunch of cotton balls, not a bunch of silk and velvet. There's probably thorns on the mountain. And when I read that, I was like, man, I wish I didn't read that. Because that brings a whole new level to taking your shoes off. I remember leaving, I remember at camp, leaving my shoes in the dorm, and I was trying to walk to the water slide barefoot. And this was in Columbus at the time, so there's a bunch of stickers and rocks. Like, on the way there, I'm just like, ah, ah, ah. Not the most comfortable thing, walking on thorns. So it's funny how God chose to put his house at that particular moment on a ground full of thorns. So not only do we know that God required Moses to take his shoes off as an act of obedience and reverence to him and where he was standing, but God was requiring Moses to subject himself to a little discomfort in the process. Now, discomfort to you could mean something completely different to me. Everybody experiences different things. What I've just said is probably going to mean all kinds of things across the body. This discomfort could be sacrifice. This discomfort could be submission to his will. This discomfort could be Suffering, which God allows you to experience. It could also mean failing. I've done a lot of that. But I got to tell you, I, I think in these 24 years of me being alive, there's nothing more uncomfortable than the truth. I had a friend uh, that I sat down with for lunch. And uh, he was talking about how unhappy he was with his church. Um, I'm not going to tell you what church it is. Um, he was talking about changing churches, right? And I'm just kind of sitting there listening. And I, of course, I bring up, well, have you thought about our church? No, no. No, not your church. There's two, there's two high standards there's too high expectations. They're, they're going to ask too much of me when I go there. And today, he doesn't even believe in God. That discomfort probably could have saved him. I 
I tend to think there's different kinds, there's different groups of people in my generation, maybe. I, I like to say my generation because that's what I know. I don't know what the old folks are doing. Um, I could be doing great things. I don't know. But I can, I can divide sort of my generation up into groups. There's the group that gets to that point where they turn aside and they see the burning bush. And they look at it, ooing and awing, And they kind of just hover around, you know, literally beating around the bush. They're just kind of, I don't want to get too close, though, because I know what God's going to require if I get too close. And so I'm going to get as close enough to God and to the miracle that I'm seeing as possible um, while still not having to sacrifice anything. So I'm going to get as close as it's comfortable, and I'm going to avoid the area that's like the no-go zone, because if I step into that area, God's going to ask me to take my shoes off. Standing back and watching the miracle go down in the bush costs us nothing. But it can cost us everything to know the God that's the source of the miracle happening in the bush. probably going really fast right now, but that's cool. Everybody's price tag is unique. And God chooses how much um, it's going to cost you to, um, I'm going to pull a Marco Rubio here. Um, God chooses the price tag. He's going to ask you to sacrifice something that's specific to you. Because you can't compare yourself to everybody else. That, that, that causes you more suffering than any suffering that God will bring to you. Just don't compare yourself. Their sacrifice is going to be different than you. Um, so let's talk about mine. Um, as y'all know, I kind of had a view of how things are going to go in my life for a while. And then, uh, God was like, nope. And I was like, why didn't you say that earlier? Because. Back then, like five years ago, I considered a loser to be somebody who doesn't have any idea what they're going to do in life or uh, has no sort of career aspirations, and then now I'm that loser. (laughs) No, I, I know I'm not a loser. Let me clarify that. This has probably been the most uncomfortable period of my life. Um... 
It's almost like society is kind of society. There's like a clock ticking in my brain that says, okay, you got to do this at a certain age. You got to get married quickly. Look at all your friends. Uh, you got you to make something of yourself. You got to move out at some point, man. You got to move out by this certain age. And I'm feeling like walls closing in on me. And then I have another pressure where it's like I'm living in a kind of land of uncertainty and I don't know. And uh, the people who really love me, uh, it's hard for them to understand that because they want me to go out and pursue something. And it's hard to be in the place where I'm just waiting on God to tell me. But it's not enough where I took that step into discomfort, all in the pursuit of getting closer to God. Um, Because I took that step where I made that decision to withdraw my applications. Um, I got accepted to a program outside of San Antonio, and I had to withdraw from that. Um. But So I took that step, but I also had to make the conscious decision to remain in that area. Because it's, honestly, that decision to um, completely eliminate that career path in my life wasn't that hard. Look, I'm going to obey God. I believe in eternity. I know there's bad things that happen to you when you disobey God. Sometimes it's that simple. But it's, it's, the, it's the coping with that decision uh, the months after. And so I had to make the conscious decision to remain in this holy ground area full of thorns. Because there, it was very tempting to um, um, leave and kind of get out of Dodge and kind of just go back to the way things were. You know, the enemy tries to convince me and basically pulls out his whiteboard and his charts and graphs, shows up to my room every night. Here, here's why you need to go back to what you were doing. Or here's why you need to just go pursue something else and not wait on God. Here's why you need to step out of where you are, step out where the holy place that you're at. Because you're going to look like a fool or um, you're not going to look intelligent or but the sales pitch wasn't good enough if Moses hadn't remained in that holy ground he was at God would never have turned that serpent into his staff God would never have showed him the boils on his hand and then eliminated the boils. And so, uh, in closing, why did God choose this mechanism of bringing people closer to him? Why does God draw that line in the sand? Why does God choose the thorniest places to make his holy ground? 
Well, what did God tell Moses soon after the story? I got a people who are suffering. God, I asked God so many times, why did you do this to me? Why don't you like me? Why don't you like me? And and God said, well, I'm answering your prayers. It's not my fault that you prayed something a few years ago while I was at youth camp or I was in youth or some other time. And God brought back to my mind a specific prayer Whereas it goes something like, God, I'm not really satisfied with seeing the miracle, but God, I want to be the miracle that you use to bring people to you. And boy, is he answering that prayer. I remember praying to God, and I'm almost done, I promise. Um, In fact, y'all can go ahead and stand. I remember praying to God, Lord God, send a burning bush to my workplace so people can turn aside and find you. Send a burning bush into the area where there's people interacting with me and and I could lead them to you and stuff like that. And, and, And God was like, I did. You're it. Let's look back to what the burning bush was. Why did Moses turn aside? It wasn't because the bush was burning. It's not uncommon for things to burn in the desert or things to burn in the wilderness. Ask California. That's not... That's not where the supernatural is, but the supernatural is the fact that the burn wasn't turning to ash. And so I'm going to be the burning bush. When my family and friends see me, the fact that I'm standing in the face of suffering, that I'm not wilting to adversity, that I'm not turning into ash, that I'm not being consumed. They're going to turn aside. And they're going to find God inside of me. And let me tell you something. I I would not have made it through these months had I not seen other burning bushes in this church. I look at people dealing with much worse adversity than me and they're still standing. They haven't been overcome by the problem that they're facing. I look at Sister Lyra and she's still standing. And so I keep standing. I look at Sister Ruth and she's still standing. And so I choose that I'm going to still stand too. And let me tell you something. I don't know if any other church that's dealt with more adversity 
than this church. I don't know of any other church where more people have dealt with more pain. But yet, the reason why God is sending people is that because they're seeing us refusing, refusing to give up, staying resilient, holding fast. And that's why the region is going to turn aside. We're just going to turn aside and see, hey, there's something happening in that church. Let me turn aside, and then they're going to find God. And then God's going to tell them, I am the God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lift your hands right now. There's been words spoken about us forming a new path and creating new footsteps. Let me tell you, those paths aren't mowed. They're not freshly mowed. They're not full of pillows and velvet. But there's rocks. There's thorns. There's scorpions and there's snakes that we're going to come across. But are you going to take that step? Are you going to take that step or are you going to keep beating around the bush? Oh, God. Oh, God. It's not enough just to see the supernatural happening. I want to be the supernatural happening. Oh, God. Let's just praise and worship Him. I'm going to rejoice in my tribulation. I'm willing to bet my future so that my family who are lost, so that my family who are lost can see me keep standing. Oh, God. I want to encourage somebody tonight to just stay resilient. And your family members, they're going to see you. They're going to see that you haven't given up. They're going to see, hey, maybe this is worth standing for. Maybe I can get behind this Christian thing. Oh, God. Let's just lift our hands and pray. Ask God to give us the strength. Lord, I'm not asking for the easy way out, God. I'm asking to be stronger.